After struggling for multiple years, Lovely and Monica were finally able to trust someone in the legal system. Someone with authority who could not only clear Praveen's name of all the lies that were being fabricated about him, but also get justice for Praveen's murder. And I said, this is such a Goliath. So then we laughed even more when we got David to fight Goliath, literally. And I said, oh my God, it took a white guy in power. I said, this is our case. We dug, we found, we did everything. They give us the unredacted records, which that story is huge, unheard of. Nobody gets unredacted records. After Robinson took over, he sent that to um, the FBI, the, where is it, Cornico? And they developed it and they said they could not put a 100% stamp on it, but it has similarities with that, with the state trooper video. You know, in the state trooper video, Gage comes up, they said there are similarities. But I found that video in the police reports. They did not say a word. You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Monica talked to us about what it felt like to finally have someone in their corner and to have someone take over all of their hard work and the investigation they'd conducted so far. Fast forward so many years later, it was amazing and upsetting, but because we got our job done, we're proud. We found out so many things. My definition of justice is nothing like it looked for my 20, 30 some odd years prior to this. And it took... Because essentially, when I say the good old boys club, I just think of like these older white guys in power. And they're not just straight up like racist, mean guys. They're not. They're just a way that they do things. Silent prejudice is the number one thing that I found out about myself and everybody else in this. It's not just like white guys that hate every other ethnicity. It's just a way that things have always been done. And this is what they do. And they aren't worldly and they aren't educated in some ways or experienced to even get some of this, it took a white guy in power, which was Mike Carr, to kibosh it in the beginning. And I said, we've got to find another white guy in power. And I never really said it out loud for a while till it was so obvious. And I was like, Facebook likes are great. And these thousands of shares and listens are great. But until somebody in charge in this jurisdiction with power does anything, we're dead in the water. It doesn't matter how many social media status we get. And so we kept praying for one good man. And so all of a sudden, Lovely called one day and she said, somebody wants to meet with us and his name is David Robinson and I trust him. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I could tell by his voice. This is the first guy that sounds like we're gonna trust him, but he wants to meet us at Murfreesboro Courthouse. And that's like a trauma spot for her. That's just, you know, everything bad where Mike Carr yelled at her. And I said, we'll go wherever. And she said, he called back and said, you know, sometimes if you go to the doctor, you want to take a support system with you so they can um, kind of take notes. If you would like, you can bring a support system like you can bring Monica. And I go, I'm not going. They're going to arrest me. They're going to lock my ass up. You're not getting me in that courthouse. So I called my friend who's the state's attorney here in my town. He's my age and so sweet. And I said, we're going to lunch ASAP. They're trying to get me to the courthouse. It's like a special prosecutor. And he said, meet me for lunch at Panera. And I, he said, who is it? And I said, David Roberts. He said, he's a dear friend. He is from Heron, which is a local town here. He said, he is a genius. He teaches law. He's kind. He's good. You talk to him like you talk to me. 
tell them everything. And I said, I trust you. And if they try to drag me into something. So we met David Robinson and talked to him for five hours. And literally that was the day we knew. And I said, this is such a Goliath. So then we laughed even more when we got David to fight Goliath, literally. And I said, oh my God, it took a white guy in power. I said, this is our case. We dug, we found, we did everything. They give us the unredacted records, which that story is huge, unheard of. Nobody gets unredacted records. Monica had some experience in the legal world. She used to be a court reporter, which worked in her favor when her and Lovely were trying to sort through all the police reports and decide what to put out in the public and what to hold back for the time being. After we got the unredacted records and we started spurting stuff out on Facebook, I was being careful. I was thinking, I don't know who gave us these records, but they're crazy. And second of all, we've got to let people know stuff, but we can't give out too much because we could ruin the case, but there's not a case. But there could be a case, but there's not a case. But we don't want to ruin it if there is. It was, it was very stressful. Lovely and Monica went to meet David Robinson, and it was a stressful time for them, as his office was in the same building where all the negative interactions with Michael Carr had taken place. Anyway, when we met David, David Robinson and David Neal were together. When we walked into the courthouse, we were so nervous because it was just such a trauma spot for everything bad and what had been said about him, what the Mike Card said about him. David Robinson is a professional and he does everything above board. He said, I want to meet you in the jurisdiction where this took place and where this would be tried. I don't want to have a private meeting. I want to have a public meeting. I want everybody to see you walking in and that we're meeting with you there. And so we trusted him. And when we walked in, they were like, what up? We've been watching you girls. And we were like, what? So we went and had a five-hour meeting with him. And they're like, he said, I gave the word for the unredacted records. And we were like, you did? And he goes, I've never been so nervous. He goes, you have done an excellent job of knowing what to put out and knowing not what to say. And I go, thank you. It's the first compliment we've gotten because we've got a lot of heat and my husband's really mad and this is scary. So we loved him and he had a whole list, a whole list. He let us talk first, then he talked. And he said, if you disagree with anything or you think you know something else, I said, nobody knows what we know, no offense. You don't know what we know. And he goes, okay. The surveillance video, and I said, it's Gage, Carrie, and Praveen. He goes, well, we are thinking in the surveillance video that it is actually somebody wanting to be carried, like maybe from the bar. And I said, have you played it in reverse? Have you flipped the image over? Have you played it in every different? He goes, I have not yet. And I said, do it, it's him. They sent it to Quantico immediately. And he goes, okay, now the shoes, we think we found, I said, pardon, those aren't his shoes. They sent the shoes to Quantico. They were not Praveen's. They didn't have enough DNA substance left to test him a second time for whether they were Gage's or maybe Jonathan, the tipsters, they weren't Praveen's. And he's like, you girls are good. So, but he had to balance the line of, I'm in charge, I'm the professional here. Let me tell you what's up. But we were telling him what's up in the beginning. And he said the shirt. So he showed us a picture of the shirt and I lost it. The little piece of material that was on the barbed wire fence at the level of like our shins, halfway between our ankle and our knee, was from the small of Praveen's back. And I said, and he was like, 
And I go, oh my God. And Lovely's like, what? And I said, he either was drug or he was crawling. That's right at the bottom of the hill. He was hurt bad or not alive right then. I lost it. Because those were things we'd wondered for two years. I mean, once we saw the records, which I mean, we found out by the time we saw the records, meeting David was just like a month. But just from the time I saw that on the barbed wire fence, it was driving me totally nuts. It would have mattered, you know, because there was a chance maybe he was running and it caught him up higher. No, he was crawling or he was drunk. Bottom line. David Robinson behind the scenes that gave us those. We started getting on Facebook, going through the records. And he's like, that was a very scary moment for me. I gave the word for the unredacted records to get to you guys. And then I thought, holy shit. And he said, I have to say that you knew when to put the gas pedal on and when to put the brakes on because there wasn't a case. We built the case by going through the records and publicly saying what the hell's going on. But we also could have ruined the case if we would have put out something that we shouldn't. So once again, I just listened to my intuition and Lovely and I do not regret anything. There were certain things she knew for sure. From the beginning, she said, this is Gage's dad's story. Don Bethune has something to do with this. And I was like, I don't really think it. She goes, the dad is the leader of all this. And I was like, okay, I didn't believe her. She was right. And whenever she was so worried about Praveen's phone being in the snow for the several days he was missing, I was like, we're getting the phone. We're getting the contents of the phone. I know it. I have no doubt we did. Just certain things. If I wasn't sure, we went with her. If she wasn't sure, we went with me. We have never had a disagreement or an argument ever. Anyway, we talked about the shoes. We talked about the surveillance. And I knew how to word it by that time. I said, could this be? What does this look like to you? I never said, this is Gage carrying Praveen. I said, what could this possibly be? Well, that's when his family went on total nuts meltdown. David Robinson spoke at length with Lovely and Monica, and as Lovely said, he truly listened. When he heard Lovely and Monica's thoughts on the surveillance video of Gage carrying a person across the street, he sent the video to the FBI to have it analyzed. Sure enough, the FBI said it had similarities, but due to the quality of the video, they couldn't confirm 100% that it was Gage in that video. Gage has a unique walk. He drags his left foot slightly when he walks. And if you analyze the surveillance footage, you can see that the guy walking across the street, carrying another person, has that same walk. After Robinson took over, he sent that to um, the FBI, the, where is it, Cornico? And they developed it and they said they could not put a 100% stamp on it, but it has similarities with that, with the state trooper video. You know, in the state trooper video, Gage comes up, they said there are similarities. But I found that video in the police reports. They did not say a word, but he developed. But then since they could not put the 100% on it, you know, you can use that on trial. 
but there is that video out there. Uh, and Monica put so many of the screenshots of that and, you know, like, and then his family, uh, I don't know who said that, they said oh, that somebody carrying a musical instrument, it's, it's a person, you know, you're carrying a person. And it's a say that the timestamp was wrong on the video is it was an old video, but it's the same night. In the beginning, David Robinson wasn't aware that the black shoes found near Praveen's body weren't actually Praveen's. Lovely and Monica shared their theory of the shoes with him as well. So he sent the shoes to be DNA tested and the DNA confirmed that the shoes were not Praveen's. I think he was also under the impression that those shoes were Praveen's. I said, no, it's not Praveen's shoes. And then he had pulled some pictures of Praveen from Facebook and he said, isn't this that shoe? And I said, no, I have that shoe at home. Praveen was very, very particular about shoes. He hated Puma. You know, he wouldn't buy a Puma shoes. And I said, that size is nine and a half. Praveen was nine. And it's such an old shoe. Even if, if Praveen wore a higher size, it couldn't be that old. You know, so I think he also got, so then he sent it for DNA. It was not Praveen's. The shoe is not Praveen's. Do you know what size of shoes Gage wore? We don't know. We don't know. But we heard rumors that um, Gage took the shoes and after all this thing came up, he burned it. That's what we, we heard. We don't know. We have no proof of it. But then at the end of the conversation, Robinson said, if I will thoroughly investigate this, be patient with me. If I find Gage did this, I will charge him. If I cannot find the proof, I will tell you why I cannot. And I said to him before we left, I said, if there was a crime committed and if you get the evidence, you better get him. And he said, I, I promise you I will. And if I can't, I will tell you why I couldn't. And I will give you all the information that we can get to give this family peace. And he was an angel. And that was the day we had this porcelain egg that we'd been so carefully guarding and we turned it over to him and it was so hard. Armed with actual proof that Praveen's death was not just a drunken accident, DNA evidence proving someone had not only taken Praveen's shoes, but left their own shoes at the scene of the crime. And clear signs of suspicious behavior. The special prosecutor could start to build a case. Next week, we will talk to Lovely and Monica to find out what the outcome was of David Robinson's review of the case, what he actually thought happened, and whether or not he could bring the case to trial. If you're interested in this story and you want to know more about the case, you can check out our social media pages. We will be sharing videos of the police interviews, photos, and documents from the case. We are at Speaking of Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. Please help us share Praveen's story. 